Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. As we start our new series, and I'm so jazzed about this series. I'm not kidding you. It's called The Habit Wheel, and today we're going to talk about The Habit Wheel of Anger. How many of you ever get angry before? Amen? We all, I think, got short fuses sometimes. We can call our names TNT, Dynamite, right? You can light that short fuse and you light up and boom, you explode. Before you know it, everything else around you is blown up because we have a short fuse. But if you have your notes, you can see what a habit is. A habit is a pattern or a lifestyle that has become a regular part of our everyday life or custom or practice. That's what a habit is. That has become a habit of our everyday life, a custom or a practice or a lifestyle that has become onto us or attached to us or aligned to us and become a part of us. And sometimes these things that we do in our lives, we're not even aware that they're happening in our lives. We have just received them as part of an everyday life experience. That I must be an angry person because I'm angry. That must just be my DNA. That must be just who I am. But that's what a habit is. Habits are formed by continuously doing them over and over again. They say that if you continue to do things seven to ten times, you will form a habit in your life. So whatever that may be that you're forming seven or ten times, that will become a habit. If you like to eat like I do, how many of you know that's a habit? Amen? How many of you like me? You put stickers all over your refrigerator, right? Come on. Don't do it. Nobody's home, right? When you open that door, it talks to you. Nah, and the alarm goes off, right? Not to eat. You get a habit. A habit can turn into excuses. Now get this. A habit can turn into excuses if not recognized, identified, and dealt with. How many of you know, have you ever seen this before? We always say this, Flip Wilson was a great comedian, and one of his lines were, is, was, the devil made me do it. He would always say, the devil made me do it. So in other words, every time he would make it, make it get mad or do something wrong, he would say, the devil made me do it. And a lot of times what we do when we get angry, we make excuses for our anger. We always say things like this, she made me do it or he made me do it, or they said this, or they did that. So therefore, I got an excuse to be angry. And so a lot of times we use excuses to allow us to become angry, and then what happens is when we become angry, we blow things so much out of proportion that we try to put things back together again. And I don't know about you, but if you break something and you try to take that Gorilla Glue, like I never know how that stuff works. It don't work for me. I don't know. Does that Gorilla Glue work for you? It doesn't work for me. I don't know. I, I, I try to put my eagle's wing back on. It won't work. But if you try to put it back together again, guess what? It's never going to be complete because there's always going to be a sliver or something broken out of that vase that fell off that you're not going to be able to see. It could be something really minute. And what happens a lot of times with anger, when you blow things out of proportion and you blow things up, you can really never put it back together again because words sometimes you can't retrieve. You can't take back. Oh, or 
maybe a slap sometime, you can't retrieve or you can't take that back. Or maybe some mental abuse, you can't take that back. And so what happens is you may try to make amends and you may try to make things right again, but that person that you're taking your anger or your rage out, guess what? They're never going to be complete again because guess what? You have hurt them, and so when you try to put them back together again, there's always going to be a fragment of unbelief or disbelief in trusting you. So you got to be careful in your anger. And don't use your anger as an excuse of why you get mad at him or her or the situation that you're going through. I don't know about you, but my grandson was just with me the other day. Last couple weeks ago, he came, and we took him skiing, and we just had a great time. But he's only three years old. My grandson is only three years old. And I mean to tell you, he's the greatest little kid. He's a cute little thing. And because he's a cute little thing, he's like the princess. He thinks he's the princess. But he's also the prince. There you go, the prince. Thank you. Good thing I have my wife. The princess is my daughter's, right? I got it. I got it. But, but he, thinks he's, he thinks he's bad. He's three years old, and yet he thinks he knows everything. And so when I try to help him when he's at my, my cabin, and I try to help him, he's trying to do something, and he says, no, Papa, I got this. I got this, Papa. I can do this. Even though he can't do it, I try to help him out of it, Scott. He still looks at me and says, Papa, I got this. And, you know, he's always turning down my advice or my help because he wants to think like he's got it under control, even at three years old. How many can relate to that? You got some stubborn kids like that, think they got it all together? But if you have your notes, listen. How many times in our own lives have we said, I don't need help? How many times have you ever said that? How many times have you said that before? How many times have you ever said, I don't need help? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and so does one man sharpen another. The Bible also says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that pity the man who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls, that we need each other. And sometimes what happens, the friend can see outside of the box of what you're living in, and they can see things that maybe you can't see. And so sometimes it's easy for us to say, I don't need your help. I got this because we're accustomed to how we're living. But we as outsiders, we can see in what's really happening maybe in your life. And if you have your notes, check this out. When you turn away help, you might be turning away advice. You might be turning away advice from someone, maybe direction from someone. You might be turning away insight. Maybe they have an insight to what you're going through in your life. Maybe they understand something that maybe you're not understanding or quite getting, that maybe they have some insight in the issue and what you're facing, or things that others see that you don't. And you know what others might see that you don't see? They might see some bad habits that you're doing in your life. They might see some things in your life that maybe you're doing that you shouldn't do. I don't know about you, but when you're growing up, how many of you have ever hated the word no when your mom and dad said no? No, you can't take my car. No, you can't do that. And when they said no to you, what happened? You bowled up and you got mad because they're restricting you and telling you you can't. But even in our adulthood life, when someone wants to speak advice or maybe have insight into your life, what we want to do is we want to automatically react and say, no. And we shut them off and we shut them out by automatically turning them away by saying no. 
And maybe sometimes we need people to speak into our lives about habits that are bringing destruction not only to you, but to others around you. Now watch this. Check this out. This is so cool. Fixing yourself or our habits comes when we get past the delusion. Now you get this. Delusion that we can fix our brokenness or our habits ourselves. I got this. When I was in my situation of life, and you guys, I don't have to go into that story, but for many years when I was this alcoholic, for many years I thought I was able to fix it on my own. I thought that I had this, I got this, and man, I started out at a young age at 16 years old. My father owned a bar, and so because he owned a bar, I started out doing that. And I thought that I could get through that, but I was wrong. I needed people to support me and make myself accountable to that I could rely on during my struggle. But when I was trying to do it on my own, I couldn't fight it. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. I needed others to come alongside me and keep me accountable for what I was doing. And I thought I was strong enough. I thought I could do this. I thought I could do that. But then what happened was is what, when I got into alcohol, alcohol didn't soothe me anymore. And that's why I got into drugs, and that's why I started doing the things that I was doing because, you know what, it wasn't giving me the fix that I had in alcohol, so now I had to get more extreme in my walk or in my, in my habit that it was bringing me a bigger rush. It was doing this. It was, and when people would try to speak into my life, I would push them away because I would always say, I got this. You see, the hardest thing about doing something in your life is looking at yourself first. A lot of times we are so prone to look at everybody else around us. It's her fault, his fault, their fault, and not our own fault. And we can continue to blame everybody else around us and have excuses of why we get upset. And we will continue to have that habit of being angry if we never confront it or deal with it or admit that I have a problem. And when I admit it that I have a problem, even after things I did with my mom and my sisters and beat them all up and all what I did, I could not admit that I had a problem. And Chris, once I identified my problem and admitted I had a problem with a bad habit, guess what? I was able to fix that which I was going through. And sometimes in your life, you're not going to like what you see, but God will reveal it to you so that you can fix that what's bringing danger or destruction in your life. God is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path, and light reveals darkness and exposes the things in your life. And a lot of times you don't like what's being exposed because what's being exposed in your life makes you vulnerable. But God doesn't expose you to embarrass you. He exposes you to correct you and makes things right in your life so you can live happier and more peaceful in your life. Somebody say amen. So a lot of times we don't like that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I love the story because it's talking about the people of the former past. How many of you know you can learn from people of past? You know, sense of my situation and what I used to go through when I was pastoring in Grand Junction, Colorado. I used to travel all through the state of Colorado, also into Nevada, also into Utah. I used to travel for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. If you put the acclimates together, it's called MAD. 
mad. Mothers against drunk driving. And I would go into all these schools, and, man, we would always have this car that was on the back of a, a pickup truck, not a pickup truck, but a flatbed truck, and they would put this demangled car, I mean, this demolished-looking car. I mean, it was an actual accident that happened. And they would always place it outside the front of the school, and then I would go into these schools, and I would talk about my habit and my situation in life. And I mean to tell you, it was amazing. And before you knew it, we had not given an altar call, but we had had these kids come forward. And I mean to tell you, there were kids crying at the altars, identifying here at a young age, seventh, sixth graders, eighth graders, ninth graders, that recognized that they had a habit in their life. And man, I had the opportunity to ha have these kids get free because that night then we have a service at a church and they would come to church, Donnie, and they would give their life to Jesus. And then throughout the course of the years, because I lived in Grand Junction, I would see them and they'd say, Pastor CJ, do you remember me? You spoke at that school and you talked about your habit, you talked about your situation, and because what you did for me, man, I am free today. And let me just say this to you. Your experiences in life are also to help others. And he says this, these things happen to them, referring to those people of the past, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I love reading the Old Testament because the Old Testament talks about before Christ. It talks about how they lived their lives. I love reading about Moses. I love reading about Noah. I love to read about Jonah. I love to read about the heroes of faith. But what they went through in life, the hard, they went through the school of hard knocks. And when they went through the school of hard knocks, they learned through the process. But they not only learned, but they left us lessons that we can learn from. And so watch this. He said, these are examples written down as a warning that here are these heroes of faith that love God with all their heart. They still fell. They still made mistakes. And in your life, God has given us a warning, not on Swiss Family Robinson or, or Lost in Space. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning, Will Robinson. God has given us a warning. And a lot of times when God gives you a warning, it's that subtle instinct in your heart that tells you don't cross over that line. Don't blow that stop sign. If you do, it's going to bring destruction and pain to your life. And what he's saying, he left these things as a warning for us. Watch this. On whom the calculation of the ages has come. Now watch this. Look at what he says then after that verse. Verse 12 is for you now. So if you think you are standing firm, if you think you're standing firm, that you got it all together, that you don't need help, that you don't need any advice, you don't need any direction, that you want to continue to carry out this lifestyle that you're living, this bad habit of destruction, pain, and misery in your life. He says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So those two verses gives us a warning. He says, listen, take heed of how these people stumbled. These great heroes of faith, Ryan, they stumbled, they fell, they made mistakes, but learn from their mistakes. Don't do as they did. Don't do as they did. The Bible is full of successful stories, but also pain and suffering, blessings and curses, good habits and bad habits. How many know what I'm talking about? If you read Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith, it talks about the good and the bad, of how they came from the zero to become a hero in their lives. In verse 12, learn from those who have gone before you. They thought they were strong, 
But some of them fell. You know why maybe they fell? Maybe they didn't take heed to what was being said to them. Maybe they didn't take heed or weren't obedient to follow through. They knew what they shouldn't do, but they did it anyways. They did it anyways, and because of that, they paid the price. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, here's what it says. So I say, walk by the Spirit. I look out this congregation today, and I, again, say, man, thank you for being here. I really mean that. You weathered the storm. Pastor Andrew put together a worship team. Isn't that great? They put it together. Some of them couldn't make it, and they still were able to put together a worship team. Isn't that great today? Come on, give it up. Amen. I mean, I'm so proud of Pastor Andrew. I called him early this morning. He said, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm stuck. He lives way out in the, in the Thule's. Amen. His driveway is a block long. Amen. He likes to run around in his skibby so nobody can see him in his birthday suit. So he lives way out there. Amen. Have at it, Andrew. I like the city. You can run out in your birthday suit all you want, but I don't have to plow a yard a, a mile long. Amen. I can get out when I want to, right? But here's what he said. Watch this. I look out in this crowd, and I, and I see some heroes of faith. Grace from Lou, thank you for being here today. I really mean that. Thank you. Thank you, Karen and Glenn. Thank you for being here today from Pine City. And I look out here in this crowd, and you know what I can say? That, man, you truly love God. Scott, you truly love God. So in saying that, Ashley, here's the deal. That if we love God, then we walk by the Spirit of God that is in us. That we walk by the Spirit of God within us. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, He who claims he lives in him, he who claims he lives in him, must walk as Jesus did. That we take on the name, but are we living out the lifestyle in which Jesus lived? And so he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Your life will follow your thoughts. And wherever your thoughts are, your life is going to go. If you're craving the things of God, you're going to go after the things of God. You're going to dwell in his presence. You're going to want more of him. But if you start tilting towards the world, you're going to start gratifying or craving the things of the world. And that's going to lead you down a dead end because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And what will happen is whatever you gratify, gravitate to or whatever you fix your mind on or your direction towards, you're going to start gravitating towards that. So what he's saying is that you walk by the Spirit, that God lives in you, that because he lives in me, I'm going to die to the flesh. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me that I take on the image of Christ. I let go of those things that so easily entangle me, and I run the race that is before me. But look at what he says. I love this. If you have your notes, we must allow the Holy Spirit to help us and not be like my grandson who says, I got this, Papa. When you are going through storms in your life, your greatest friend. The Bible says that Jesus sticks closer to you than a brother. And your greatest friend that can jump into your boat and help you in your predicament 
is Jesus, the one that has the best interest for your life. He's not going to lead you down a dead end. He's not going to lead you down to a plane of suffering and hurt. He's going to lead you down the path of righteousness for his namesake. That if you allow Jesus to say, God, transform me, change me, help me in my predicament. You see, a habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough that it has become second nature or automatic in your life. That's what a habit is. My father, man, was a kind of a, I'll be honest, he was a stinker. My dad had a very, very, very short temper. He would get mad at, at a drop of a hat. I'm telling you, Jane, he would be mad at you if you, if you didn't move fast enough. He'd be mad if you didn't pick this up. I tell you, he was just an angry person. Every time, man, he'd just yell at you for no reason at all. If he didn't yell at you, he'd hit you. I mean, to tell you, he would line all eight of us up, uh, six of us and my sisters, six sisters and me and my brother, all seven of us. I kid you not, starting with my older sister, Rhonda, and all the way, making my way down to my little brother, Rick. And time he got to Rick and I, man, thank God, he was wore out a little bit from spanking every one of us, that when he got to me and Rick, it was a little lighter, amen, because he beat up on my five sisters already before he got to me. But he was always angry. Always, always angry. And so that's all I saw in my life. And then when my second father was thrown in Walpon Penitentiary, he used to beat me. And so all I knew was anger. That's all I knew. I saw that my real father, my second father, then my third father turned me into the alcoholic. And all I knew was discord in my life. So when I met my wife, I had to determine two things. And I can show you the books that I read. Matter of fact, I pulled one of them out the other day, my children's Bible. I pulled it out because I didn't know who Jesus was and all that kind of stuff. Then I read a children's Bible, and I wore the cover off it. But when I got married, I saw the damage and all that my fathers did and how it brought destruction in our home. Then I said to myself, I'm determined to do two things, Dan. That when I get married, number one, I want to try to be the best husband that I can possibly be. So I read all kinds of books on how to get that anger out of me and let it go. I identified that it could be in my DNA because that's all I knew. All I knew was anger and frustration and beating and pounding and arguing and yelling. And that's all I knew. So I went out and brought up books, and you can ask my wife. I brought these books of how to be a good father. Then when I had my first son, I went out and brought books about how to be a good dad. And I said, God, I'm not going to align myself up that way. And a lot of you, you have accepted the baggage that my grandfather was like that. My dad was like that. My grandmother was like that. My mom was like that. So that must be my DNA that I'm an angry person. I'm here to tell you, God says the Spirit of the Lord lives in you, that he lives in you to dwell in you, to change you, to transform you. You don't have to accept yesterday's DNA. You are an individual that God made fearfully and wonderfully and wants to do great things in your life. So we say amen. God wants to do that in you. Now watch this. Whatever is begun in anger, ends in shame. How many know that's true? The mess you have to pick up after you get angry, the words you have to retrieve after you said them, 
the hurts, the walk of shame, all the things that you have to do after you get angry. Anger has become a public epidemic in America. You see the signs of our nation, irritability, everywhere you go. Man, just get in the grocery line. Everywhere you go, everybody is mad. I'm going to tell you, I wish you sometimes were wearing my shoes. I never know if I'm going to find somebody that's going to be a porcupine that's going to poke me or somebody's going to be a teddy bear and love me because people are irritable. They're always upset. Now, watch this. I love this. Roughly 80%, get this now, get this, of murderers reported to the FBI in which the victim or offender relationship was known or committed was by friends, loved ones, or acquaintances. 80%. Someone that you knew that committed these crimes. Think about that. Think about that. How many of you ever watched that show, 48 Hours? They got to they gotta find the... the the criminal in 48 hours. And when they find this criminal, guess what? It's usually within friends. It's usually over a drug bust or something or anger. One we watched, Cheryl and I, was over $100. They took somebody's life. Check this one out. Uh, this one's just something else. This one. According to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, more than 12 million Men or women are abused each year in the U.S. by an intimate partner. I remember some time ago when Sharon and I, this is not a good story, but a true story. Sharon and I, to make it through college, we were caretakers at these big, huge apartments. It was myself and Cheryl and three other couples that took care of these apartment complexes, and we were the caretakers there at these apartments. And one day, I got a call, 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. There's a domestic dispute going on at the third floor. So I got up, had to get dressed, because I was on call that day, one of the couples. There was four couples, so once a month, we had to be on call. This was my call weekend. So, Karen, I get this call. I get dressed. I go up onto the third floor, get to this apartment, and I can hear the noise, the thump, the thump. And lo and behold, I walked in to the apartment, to the bedroom where all was taking place. And here was this man that was just totally annihilating his wife. And I walked in, and I thought he was going to come at me. And I said, knock it off. And within the hour, the whole lobby of that apartment complex was full of officers. And they handcuffed this guy, and they took him away. Sometime later, this gentleman came back, and now he's on probation, and she dropped the charges. And the story came out of why he beat his wife. Check this out of why he beat his wife. Of all things, she came in 10 minutes late, and he blew a fuse. 
Let me ask you something. Is your anger really worth it? The damage that we cause in our lives. Look at this one. Check this one out. This is unbelievable. The American Society for the Positive Care of Children say that more than 4.1 million child abuse cases are reported annually. Many of those are committed by an angry, out-of-control parent. Think about that. Watch this. Studies show that we are not born with these anger issues, but it is a learned behavior. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Anger. Maybe you are angry because your parents were always angry. But check this out. Or maybe your kids are angry because they learned it from you. You see, behavior is learned. Behavior is learned. My wife would always say to my boys and to my daughter, CJ and Rick, you treat Heidi the way you're going to treat your wife. So you better treat Heidi better and treat her good because the way you treat Heidi is the way you're going to treat your wife. And so my boys today, man, I'll tell you, because my wife instilled that in my boys, man, they treat their wife with respect and love and honor. Learned behavior. Watch this. Maybe you are angry because your parents, like it's this, psychologists have called our generation, psychologists have called our generation the age of rage. When I thought about that, the age of rage, I came up with my own vocabulary about the age of rage. Watch this. Today, have our own, we today have our own rage vocabulary. Watch this. And I got this one, particularly from my older son. Road rage. How many get road rage? My son, you're from Arizona, Grace. You moved there. My son lives in Arizona. And to be real honest with you, a lot of the, not any frowning on you, but a lot of the older people move to Arizona because they like the warmer weather. But when the older people move to Arizona, guess what happens? The highways are really slow. <laughs> and so my son, he sometimes gets road rage. And so one day, true story, one day my, my son was, man, just having a road rage fit. And he's talking to Cheryl and I on the phone. And everything that we do, Sue, we always put it on speakerphone so we all can hear what our kids are saying. So my son is saying, oh, no, not again. Oh, come on. Yeah, thank you. I was coming to that. So, so Rick, Rick is in the front seat driving, and then he's like, oh, no, not again. And his favorite line is, oh, come on. Can't you go faster than this? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. And before you know it, my grandson in the back seat, you can hear him. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. He's picking up exactly what my son is saying. Oh, come on. And so we're laughing. Rick, do you hear Kyrie? What? He was so enraged that he couldn't even hear his own son. Oh, come on. Road rage. Another vocabulary is this. Checkout rage. Man, we were in Walmart 
I kid you not. I felt so bad for this checkout lady. She was the only one. Now they got this self-check stuff. You know what I'm talking about. But there was only one lane that was open, and there was probably five people. And I mean to tell you, the guy that was in the back of the line, he went berserkle. And he was screaming and yelling at everybody and yelling at the clerk, and the clerk started crying. We have checkout rage. Another one is this, phone rage. It's easy to say things on the phone, ain't it right? Because you don't see them. You can say whatever you want on the, on the phone or on the Internet. You can say whatever you want because they can't touch you. How many have phone rage? Another one is text rage. Ooh, I, that one there gets really good, huh? Some of you don't know how to spell until you get on a text and you find out how you spell. You have text rage. Then another one on hold rage. How many of you ever had that before? I had that the other day. Good thing I didn't get the rage, but I had to call Verizon. They really upped my, my phone bill. And so I had to call those bad boys. And they kept me on the phone. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm shaving. I'm doing everything I can. Finally, I got done, and I got dressed. I got the hold of them after all that. But how many ever get phone rage or on hold rage? When are they going to pick up? I'm tired of these machines. They don't talk to me. Right? Come on. Another one is this, Proverbs 14, verse 29. Watch this. Whoever is patient has great understanding. In other words, has great understanding that i got to control myself. Have you ever noticed the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit starts with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, but then it ends with self-control. If you lose love and self-control, guess what happens? All the books fall out. All the books, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, because love and self-control hold it all together. And if you lose self-control, guess what? You're going to lose your witness of love. If you lose self-control, you're going to lose your witness of kindness. If you lose self-control, you're going to lose your witness of being patient. And people always remember you, usually for the bad things sometimes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You could do 99 good things, but they always seem to remember the bad thing that you've done. Right? Anger always aligns or alienates people. It pushes them away. It alienates them, and it pushes people away from you. And you wonder why maybe you're in this society right now or this world or this relationships. Maybe you don't have friends, or maybe people aren't calling you, or maybe you bring pain to the party. You know, anger. I love this one. Check this out. I love this. Anger is like a skunk. We spray our stinking temper on anyone who gets in our way. Psst. You stank. Some of you probably have COVID-19 and you can't smell. Let me just tell you. I can tell you. You stink. Spraying your temper on your family, your kids. Proverbs 29, 11. Watch this. Fools give full vent to their rage. In other words, he's saying he calls you a fool. You know why? Because after you're getting your rage on, 
you're left with picking up pieces. And you're left with embarrassment. You're left with shame. You're left with pain. You're left with trying to humble yourself and take back maybe what you said or did. So he calls you a fool. But look at it. But the wise bring calm in the end. Calm. Be still. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Calm. Honey is better than vinegar. And so many times what happens is we have allowed our anger to become an excuse. I got a right to be mad. How many ever said that? So watch this. Now get this. Anger may give you the right to say it. Did you get that? It may give you the right to say it, but it is right. But is it right to say it? It may give you the right to say it, but the question is, is it right to say it? Does it really need to be said? Anger can make you pay more than you want to pay. Anger can hurt more than, than you want to hurt or be hurt. Anger can destroy marriages, friendships, families, but most of all, you. It can hurt you. You know what anger does? It takes away the sensitivities in your life. It takes away hearing the voice of God. It takes away the blessings that God wants to do in your life because you're blowing things way up and you're being shortchanged and robbed. That's what anger does. Next week, I'm so excited because this is part two. Next week, I'll talk about how do I get out of that habit of being angry? How do I get out of that? But I want to ask you something. If you're being angry and you got an angry spirit, I want to encourage you to identify it. Tackle it. Stop making excuses and start dealing with it. Take care of it, because you're causing more harm than you are good, and you're destroying relationships, but most of all you. Will you stand with me today? God is so good. God is so good. I'm gonna ask my altar workers to come out, and maybe after, after the service today, you need prayer. But my altar workers will step out right now, and they're gonna be down here to pray with you if you need prayer for whatever, not I'm talking about anger, but maybe you just need prayer in your life. Maybe you need a healing or blessing. But I'm going to pray over you. And after I pray over you and let you go, and if you visitors will please make sure you sign out a visitor card. We have a great gift for you. But we're going to let you go. But if you need special prayer here in a moment, make sure you just come to any one of these altar workers and let them pray with you this morning. But let me pray over you this morning. Can I do that? Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation that weathered the storm today. They came out when the roads are icy and sleety. Lord, they came out and they showed themselves faithful to you, to the congregation, to one another, that they truly love you more than the storms that this world had to offer. Then they came to find you today. And I pray, God, if there are those here today that maybe have a short fuse, maybe they're making excuses for their anger and they're holding on to their past and it's causing them to lash out and bite others, Lord. Whatever the case may be, may they make a choice to let it go today.
that, God, we can live in peace and rest with you. And, Lord, we can have the sureness that, God, you are with us all the time to bring us peace that passes all understanding. So bless this wonderful congregation. Be with them, Lord, as they go back to their homes. And, Lord, even tonight as we go over the business meeting tonight, I pray that, God, people will come out as we share the vision, direction, purpose, and plan of the church. Lord, we thank you for today. We ask, God, you bless us now and be with us in Jesus' name. Now, if you need prayer, special prayer, just step out now. Otherwise, God bless you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.